first thought is to express my uh, grateful appreciation for the privilege of being here as well as uh, addressing you at this luncheon. I want to also say, while I have this opportunity, how what a great op <coughs> privilege it has been for me to work with Brian uh, Reynolds and, uh, and that family, father and mother, are have been wonderful in what they've done in developing this uh, organization. It's truly an inspirational organization, and they have really been the source of that inspiration for many of us who had the great privilege of working with them. Now, you heard this morning uh, <clears throat> some discussion of the subject of education. I'd like to speak a little bit about excellence in education. Among, among uh, man's strong, uh, and, and let me say, I have prepared this text largely because of, in the interest of time, and also to keep me from straying off course. Because once I get on this subject, I, I'm often, uh, I often don't, don't realize that, that there is uh, a limit in the amount of time one has to speak. Among man's strongest urges is his desire to know and to understand a desire directed towards the improvement of the human condition. Modern man takes his present advanced condition for granted, but it represents years of collaborative and collective efforts by men and women who were dedicated to the pursuit of excellence. Although man first assigned certain alien or hostile aspects of nature to mythological deities, once he discovered the physical laws of nature, he began devising ways to control these. To satisfy his nutritional needs, he developed techniques to improve his yield of produce and livestock. For protection against the elements, he built structures to withstand adverse weather conditions, and then invented air conditioning and central heating to regulate the temperature within these structures. He devised all manner of gadgets to make daily living more healthful, pleasant, comfortable, and convenient. To facilitate transportation, he built trains, steamboats, automobiles, airplanes, and even spacecraft. To expedite communication, he invented the telephone, radio, the teletype, television, and to stave off disease, he developed sanitation, preventive vaccines, curative drugs, and ingenious surgical procedures for the repair of defective bodily parts. And to satisfy his aesthetic sense, he created beautiful works of art, literature, and music. All these contributions were made by people who demanded the very best of themselves. Some discoveries brought new problems, but man simply addressed them, resolved them, and then proceeded with his search for new knowledge. And he recorded all these discoveries and achievements in the chronicles of history for posterity. The deep human need to know and to understand led to our formal system of education. 
The fate of a democratic society is bound up in the decisions of its individual members, and wise decisions derive from an informed mind. Since each member of such a society is, ex is expected to participate in judgments that affect us all, each member's education should be of concern to all others. In a democratic society such as ours, all of, the, all of us need certain skills, which is the ability to read, write, and speak effectively. Language, the vehicle for our thoughts, and one of the primary traits that differentiate us from lower animals, permits us to exchange our ideas and our feelings freely, and a basic competence in self-expression is indispensable. When the education of some is neglected, democracy suffers, for ignorance, fear, and prejudice are freedom's worst enemies. This is not to say that each of, each of us needs the same kind of education, only that each person should be provided with educational opportunities that permit the fulfillment of his vocational aptitudes and potential. Man's needs and his capacities are widely varied, and honorable manual labor deserves respect and dignity as much as the most profound intellectual effort. A master cabinet maker can produce a work of art as beautiful as a fine painting, and we need cabinet makers as well as artists and philosophers in our society. It is not simply the product but the quality of the performance that counts. More than two centuries ago, Samuel Johnson stated in this matter, to have perfection in our eye is reasonable, that we may always advance toward it, even though we know we may never attain it. The discovery of an exciting new scientific concept, theory, or natural law the creation of a breathtaking painting, a moving poem, or a lovely sonata, the development of a successful new treatment for a fatal disease, or the repair of a malfunctioning engine, all can bring deep satisfaction. No matter how lofty or menial the labor or how great or trivial the product, the reach for excellence brings excitement and satisfaction for the effort. The threshold of maturity on which you stand is the door sill of the expansion of the mind. It is a stage of life that has always been accompanied by skepticism. Rational skepticism is the hallmark of a scholar, and reasonable dissent the bedrock of democracy. But these function best when framed against constructive goals. Today's students are fashioning such goals for themselves. They understand the need for purpose, direction, and self-discipline. And they have therefore rejected the destructive behavior of the 60s for more rewarding activity. For those who want to make a real contribution to humanity, the opportunities are unlimited, regardless of the field you choose. You must, however, establish attainable goals. 
lest unrealistic aspirations lead to despair and immobility. You must also develop patience in effecting improvements, for in instant change often leaves in its wake unnecessary disruption, chaos, and sometimes even greater dissatisfaction than before. As Voltaire wrote, perfection is attained by slow degrees. It requires the hand of time. A sane, orderly approach to problems always yields more enduring and satisfying solutions. Finally, you must be willing to work hard and to strive for excellence. An unmerited passing grade is the worst kind of discrimination, for it merely delays the inevitable realization that you have not mastered the skills you will need to compete satisfactorily in later life. The cultivation of intellectual virtues is important and necessary in education, but education also involves cultural and moral development. Man is not merely a mechanical apparatus. He has an imagination, an aesthetic sense, and a conscience, all of which require nourishment. Art, literature, and music enrich the human condition, and moral and ethical convictions invest it with special meaning. To live the most rewarding life, we must define our goals in terms of the highest human values, honor, justice, liberty, opportunity, and brotherhood. And we must not simply mouth these abstract words, but must practice them in our daily living. In my visits to college campuses around the country, I have been heartened and inspired, as I have at this meeting, by a renewed dedication of standards of personal conduct and performance, by a reach for excellence. The presence of a single student reaching for excellence can have a remarkably salutary effect on an entire class. The reach for excellence is contagious, and although each of us has his individual limits of achievement, models of excellence can inspire us to achieve heights we might not otherwise attain. Those who contend that high standards are undemocratic have little understanding of democracy. Democracy does not <coughs> demand embracing the least common denominator. It functions best, in fact, in a highly developed intellectual, moral, and cultural milieu. The reach for intellectual excellence by sharpening our critical, our critical faculties and expanding our understanding allows us to evaluate public issues intelligently and to make judicious, social, and political judgments. It will prevent entrapment of the mind by intimidation or by superficially enticing arguments, and it holds the key to our future. Character, too, is important to optimal fulfillment. Character is not a matter of birth or circumstance as much as it is a matter of cultivation and habit. Centuries ago, Aristotle recognized the difference between moral virtue and intellectual virtue. Moral virtue is acquired not primarily through schooling, but through home training. It is repeated acts of justice and self-discipline 
that will instill noble human values and decent behavior. Our society belongs to each of us, and we share responsibility for its fate. Our sins of omission toward ourselves and others are therefore as damning as those of commission. Finally, we need to instill in everyone a sense of compassion for the less fortunate. These social ideals and a clear sense of purpose and direction can yield a full, productive, satisfying life and can help us achieve man's noblest goals. In an era when our natural resources are diminishing, when nuclear weapons are expanding, when social, economic, and political problems are multiplying, when literacy is declining, and when the moral climate is less than ideal, our very survival depends on our ability to resolve these problems rationally. Because man's inner self is linked to the universal mind, I believe he will not only survive, but will make certain that future generations live in decent circumstances. And the young, intelligent faces I see before me at this meeting today strengthen, strengthens that confidence. Finally, I feel certain that the recipients of the Golden Eagle Awards of the American Academy of Achievement possesses the sense of purpose and the ideals that will inspire them to reach for excellence. For as Browning wrote, ah, but a man's reach should, ex <coughs> but a, a man's reach should exceed his grasp. Or what's a heaven for? I commend the Academy for its noble efforts in recognizing deserving students in this way. Our society is the better one because of organizations like this. My congratulations to each of you and my best wishes for a life of health, happiness, and total fulfillment. Thank you.